and I am a marijuana addict. Uh, thank you so much for, for having me to speak tonight. Uh, this is actually my very first phone meeting, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to be here. I uh, have been sober since uh, May 17, 2019, so a uh, little, little over four years now, and I'm just really grateful to be a recovering marijuana addict. I also identify as an alcoholic and an addict of, of pretty much anything and, and everything you put in front of me because, you know, as far as I see it, um, marijuana isn't my problem. You know, it, it was my failed solution of choice, but I certainly tried many other solutions uh, that failed me before discovering marijuana anonymous. Uh, just a little bit about you know, my life before recovery, you know, I don't want to spend too much time in the mess, but I, uh, you know, my first addiction before I ever picked up really was being a perfectionist. Um, for me, that was a way that I felt like I could control the world around me. I felt like I could control what other people thought about me. So if I got the right grades, did the right extracurriculars, kind of set up my life, the right way, then the things would be predictable, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want any surprises. I wanted everything to to just be predictable. And of course, that's that's not how life works, as we've all learned. And uh, so I pretty quickly discovered uh, drugs and alcohol and the way that they could help me forget about the things that weren't going the way that I wanted them to. Um, in particular, a big part of my story is I've had a lot of serious health problems since childhood. And really, there's nothing that teaches you about the uncertainty of life and the lack of control that we have over our lives than health problems. I think so many of us have experienced them. Um, but when something like that is going on in your life, there's not much you can do to control it. And uh, when you feel like your life is out of your hands in that way, um, I found that, at least for me, I wanted to do anything I could to forget about that. And so, you know, unfortunately, doctors introduced me to medication, uh, strong pain medication at a very young age, and I found uh, the relief that that could provide me and, and quickly discovered that that also existed with marijuana. And, and living in California, I got you know, a medical marijuana card, you know, at one of those shops, you just walk in, give them like 50 bucks, and they give you a card, and I was uh, good to go. And then before you know it, marijuana was fully legal in California, and I was totally off to the races with it because, you know, I was into the whole thing, the like going into these stores that look like a Apple store or something and telling me, oh, what's new? Let me check this out. And, you know, because that was the kind of addict I thought that I was, you know, I, I, I was, I was fancy, you know, <laughs> with my marijuana use. And um, that quickly put me in a pretty negative financial situation because you can put your drugs on your credit card, which you didn't used to be able to do. So, you know, I was kind of going on with my life um, in that way. And somehow my higher power uh, allowed me to graduate law school and, get a good, pretty good uh, legal job right out of school. And that was an environment where drugs and alcohol were, were encouraged and welcome. And, and I 
did all sorts of drugs with my bosses and my coworkers, and it was an environment that really uh, encouraged me and my addiction because I thought it was normal. Everyone else was doing it. But truth be told, I, I always did it harder than everyone else. I always used more than everyone else, and I did things to hide the fact that I was using more than everyone else. And unfortunately, my health problems continued to deteriorate, and my um, drug use certainly was not helping. And I was unable to work anymore, and I had to stop stop working and go on disability. And for me, that was perfect, because then I could just sit at home and use marijuana the way that I wanted to without anyone bothering me. Uh, I was married at the time, and... Um, you know, unfortunately, my, my ex-husband was, was fairly encouraging of my drug use as well because, well, we fought less when I was stoned, so that was good for him. And, you know, but eventually, you know, my my family started to notice, and I would fight with them. I would say, you don't, you have no place to tell me what to do in my life. I have these health problems. You could never understand, you know bug off. And so I really didn't let anyone in. And I just isolated more and more and more. And just didn't be friends and family anymore, because I I was always high when I was around them. And, um, you know, I went to funerals high, baby showers, weddings, and just was completely checked out. And, And I regret missing so many of those, those family events, because I was there physically, but uh, mentally, I was just so, so high that I wasn't there. I wasn't myself. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what did it for me, but I had been in a Facebook group for people who were sober but listened to, like, true crime podcasts. And I was having a really emotionally challenging night, and I found myself, you know, high and, and crying and I, I reached out for help on the Facebook group. I said, I think I need some help. And I, at the time, I, I did not think marijuana was a problem still. I thought I was seeking help from pills and alcohol at the time. And a woman who I, I was luckily, I was in L.A. at the time where there are a ton of meetings and a ton of people in recovery. So a couple women agreed to meet me at a Alcoholics Anonymous meeting that was happening that very day. They said, we'll meet you there right now. And a wonderful woman who's very active in MA met me, and, you know, she's she's my angel because she sat with me after that meeting, and we talked for hours, and she shared her story, and I shared mine, and I just connected with another person in a way that I hadn't. And I realized for the first time in that moment that, okay, maybe maybe marijuana is part of the problem, or at least I'm going to have to stop using marijuana to, to deal with these other problems. I didn't realize marijuana was actually probably my biggest problem of all. And I, I hadn't heard of Marijuana Anonymous, so she, she introduced me to that. And she drove me to meetings for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I just I jumped right in. I heard, I heard exactly what I needed to hear, both from her and, and the people at those early MA meetings I went to. Um, I, I was surrounded by people who, who seemed to think like me, um, that, that feeling of not fitting in, that feeling that I didn't know how to deal with life on life's terms. I heard that in other people. 
and even better, I, I saw them happy and laughing and having full lives and connecting with one another. And, and that's what I so desperately had wanted, you know. When I first started using marijuana, I, I was doing it to connect with other people. And it never really delivered on that the way that I had hoped it would. But, but I saw in MA that possibility for for true connection and a connection that wasn't based on lying about what was going on in our lives. I saw people sharing about their problems and I wanted the, the kind of friends that I could do that with, that I could be honest with. And so I kept coming back and I did what was recommended. You know, I got a sponsor right away. I jumped right into working on the steps, you know, because Again, marijuana wasn't my problem. My problem was my way of thinking, you know, my inability to accept life on life's terms. And um, what the steps did for me was, was give me the tools uh, for living that I had really needed, you know. It gave me a design for living, as, as we say in the other program. And um, that is a way of living that continues to work for me today. And you know, in the beginning, I, I, I did kind of go back and forth. Oh, do I, do I really need this? And, and I would compare myself to other people. I would hear someone who used differently than me and maybe think, well, then am I not an addict? And, you know, what I really learned is that this is a program for people who want it. And if you're getting something out of it, it doesn't really matter if the person next to you needs it more or less or differently than you do. You know, as long as MA is working for me, I'm going to keep doing it. And that's what I told myself in the beginning. And it's been over four years, and it, it continues to work more and more. And uh, another thing that really has, has worked for me is being of service. I uh, My sponsor required me to take on service commitments and I, I was so scared of being seen you know I didn't I didn't want to raise my hand in meetings I didn't want to share I was scared but being of service I learned was a way to to be known and people would recognize me and they would notice if I didn't come to a meeting and they would reach out and I had a reason to show up because while I would maybe let myself down I didn't want to let other people down and um, so I knew I had to show up or, or find someone else to cover my commitment, even if it was just making an announcement about the phone list or the literature. I was a snack person for a time where I would bring snacks to a meeting. And all of these commitments just kept me coming back and, and kept me connecting with other people. She also required me to not only call her every day, but to call three other addicts a day. And that terrified me. I was so scared of using just even the phone. And she taught me to call people and ask them about their day, ask them how their recovery was going, or ask them for some advice about whatever step I was working on. And through doing this, I, I've learned skills that have carried over far beyond my recovery life. You know, I, I can use the phone again. A lot of people really struggle with that today. And I'm really grateful that I've lost that simple terror of picking up a, a, a phone when there's a number I don't recognize. And now I'm grateful for it because I get calls from other addicts and those make my day, you know. I love talking to people in this program and um, that is, you know, being of service has probably been the biggest blessing that I didn't expect, you know, because I found that I really enjoyed, you know, 
I, I became a secretary and then uh, a GSR representing my meeting to the district. I got involved at the district level, chairing committees. And uh, before I knew it, um, you know, now I'm, I'm so grateful I was elected to be on the Board of Trustees and I get to help Marijuana Anonymous using some of the skills from my before life, you know, and that is just such a blessing because it gives me, you know, they, it says in the promises that feeling of uselessness will disappear. And for me, being of service is one of the biggest ways that that's happened because I have found a way to be of service to fellow addicts and to the program that has saved my life. And there's nothing that gives me a better feeling than that. I mean, that's, that's, an, that's better than being high any day. And um, I just really love that I have that opportunity because what I've learned in this program is to leave things better than I found it, you know? So if there are things that I don't like about a meeting or something I don't like that's going on in a district, my sponsor said to me, uh, she quoted a line, I think it's, it's in the big book, but it says, create the fellowship you crave. So rather than complain about it, find a way to make it better, you know? And that's kind of the mantra I've tried to carry uh, in my life because that's what it means to me to, to, to carry these principles out in all my affairs, you know? I, I try to do the next best thing, and, you know, I find that that's really where um, true serenity comes is, is when I just do the next best thing and trust in the outcome. You know, before I found recovery, I was so negative. I always expected the worst case scenario. I expected the worst in other people. I just, you know, I'd had a lot of negative things happen, sure, but I always expected the worst thing. I thought if there is a God, they certainly don't care about me. I even had a doctor say to me once that I must have done something really bad in a past life because I had collected multiple rare diseases and it was just so statistically unlikely. And that was kind of the mentality I carried, you know, that I had, I was cursed in some way and God didn't care about me. And, you know, what I've found now is that I can trust in some idea of a higher power and accept the outcome of whatever my life is supposed to be. And my life looks nothing like what I thought it would be, you know. I'm divorced. I, I'm unable to have a family. I deal with these health issues. And I could really fixate on those things in a negative way. Um, but what I've learned to do is, is flip it around and try to find the good in my life. You know, I've learned to, to, to pray and to my higher power and to have gratitude for the good rather than fixating on what's missing and um, I have a plaque in my office and it, I'm looking at it right now it says don't tell God that you have a big problem tell your problem that you have a big God and that and that's been tough for me you know I'm, I'm not that doesn't come easily that's why I have to have it posted up here in my office to remind myself you know but I find that the more I can trust that my higher power has has things figured out, you know, that their plan for my life is more creative and interesting than anything I could come up with, you know. Um, I'm less anxious. I'm less fearful, you know. I used to be so driven by fear. But, you know, unless you can accept life on life's terms, 
it's it's pretty impossible to ever find satisfaction in life. You're always going to be looking for the next thing, you know, and and I was bombarding my life with, with self-will, you know, before. I was trying so hard to control every little thing. I wanted to control other people. I wanted to control everything about my environment. And, you know, fear keeps us from finding that true serenity, you know, because when you're in fear, you know, you're, you're future tripping, right? And if you're in resentment, you're in the past, you know. And for me, the only way to find that serenity that I was seeking from marijuana but never really got was is just through acceptance of, of life on life's terms. And there's nothing greater that I've learned in this program than that. You know, because before I thought if things didn't go my way, that I mean, I felt like I would die if things didn't go my way. But I've learned that isn't true, you know, and uh, that if I can just pause, go to a meeting, call a friend in the program, maybe pray, maybe meditate. Hey, I'm not great at either of those things, but it's, it's not about perfection, right? It's progress. But if I can do, take any of those actions rather than just stewing in, in my own, you know, self-pity or victimhood, then I find that the feelings will pass, you know? Uh, I've heard a saying uh, that, that goes, um, don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. So I've had many moments where I was, you know, suffering in sobriety. You know, I went through my divorce in sobriety, and that was that was really challenging. And and I wanted to use. I thought, gosh, I'm jealous of these people. They, you know, they they use. They go to Vegas. They have a divorce party. I want to just blow off some steam. But you know, that would have been making a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. And the truth is, I actually have healed in a way that has allowed me to move through my life in a way that I'm proud of. You know, I managed my divorce with grace and, and in turn my my ex-husband met me with that same kind of maturity. And that for me was all about the work I did in the steps, you know, because my four steps you know, taught me to really take responsibility for my side of things. And by keeping my side of the street clean, I was lucky he kept his side of the street clean. You know, we met each other in a place where there could be forgiveness, and I'm not sitting here today in a place of resentment. And that's good because resentment is fatal to addicts, you know, and I know if I had stayed in resentment, I certainly would have picked up. But by letting it go, by accepting what had happened, by accepting him as he was, myself as I was, was able to to just move on with my life. And to me, that that's living in my higher power as well, right? You know, because I would, I would rather be happy than right. So rather than continue to fight about how right I was, I have just learned acceptance. And I think I've said acceptance about a million times. But, you know, for me, it's allowed me to, that's what allows me to take it easy, you know, that, that saying, take it easy, keep it simple, all of those things, to me those mean just stop fighting, um, you know, and, and there's something in Life with Hope that basically says you, you don't have to say yes, you just have to stop saying no. And to me that means just stop fighting. You know, I, I, I don't know what my higher power means to me, but I'm not going to sit here and fight with myself about it all day and make myself 
you know, drive myself crazy trying to figure out what a higher power means or doesn't mean to me. What's more important to me is to just believe in something bigger than myself, anything. And and for me, that's that's sometimes just been the power of the rooms, you know. To me, sometimes my higher power has just been reality. It's just been acceptance itself, you know, that ability to to just let go and let God, right? And um, when I call my my sponsor with a problem, inevitably the one of the first things she always asks me is, "Where's God?" And I've usually not left room for God to to do something to work a miracle in my life, you know. For thing, what if things work out? Is really what that means to me. Instead of expecting the worst case scenario, maybe things will work out, you know. And and that's that's been so helpful to me in 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 my health challenges. You know, sometimes I expected the worst, but today I I do a better job of leaving room for, you know, miracles. I used to, you know, maybe there will be a cure someday. Maybe they'll come out with a new treatment that changes things, you know. It hasn't been a downhill spiral. It's It's been a roller coaster. But what that means is I don't know what's coming next. But I'm just trying to leave room in my life for that to be something wonderful. And uh, so that's really uh, what this program has meant to me. It's It's been leaving room for the miracle and learning to just find uh, gratitude in my life. And thanks to this program, you know, I've regained relationships with my friends and family, and I, I have a full life. I have things to lose. I have things that I can be grateful for every day. And uh, I try to focus on those, and as long as I do, you know, I... I'm in the solution, not the problem. And the key to me is to just keep doing it. Like I said, I'm going to keep doing this as long as it's working for me. And I find that the more that, the harder that I work this program, the more of myself that I put into this program, the more I get out of it. You know, so if if you're new or struggling, I would just say don't quit before the miracle because you never know what's going to happen next. And what if it all works out? And, uh, yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, that's all from me. I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit from, from some of you, and thanks for listening to me tonight.